0: here we are. All right. Well, welcome uh, OCC family. Hopefully you did well on the trivia. So I love how we have inner sparse there, like a, a theological question or a question about the Bible. And then we got the question about anchors. So you're OCC learning things anchors. about the Bible and you're learning things and about And they're very OCC important anchors. questions, like who, yeah.
1: who lives dangerously close to the Harmons <laughs> or did. Um, I know people thought the Dells, because the Dells live on my street. The Dells
0: are dangerously close now. uh,
1: Kent and Will and a few other unnamed individuals used to live literally a house or two away from me. Uh, So what is it like living on the same
0: street or so close to the pastor?
1: um, You know, for them, they didn't mind too much because they would walk home from the bars at night and they would pee in my yard. So, (laughs) one time they took a picture of them in my yard and sent it to me. So, I mean, I don't know if there's an authority issue there. Will and Kent, I love you. Now they're, I mean, they're both married, you know, Kent's got kids, you know, that's a story you can share with them later. Absolutely. Well, okay, with (laughs) that. Nice beginning to the live stream. We're trying, our ratings were down last week, so we're trying to get them up this week. I don't think we're doing a good job
0: yet. So give us us another chance, though, before you click off the deal.
1: We just picked up a whole new audience, though, Dan.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure we did, yeah. Now we're going to be trending in a different kind of way on right. YouTube. So, well, how are you doing? So we're Good. week 10, 11, 12, year two. Yeah. Where are we in the uh, I think we're, in COVID-19? We're so. nine with
1: live stream, eight or nine I with think live so, stream. Yeah. I mean, it's it's with COVID-19. Yeah. I, I don't know if anybody's sick of the just even talking about it. But it's, 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 it's impossible not to, you know. I mean, people are starting to act, you know, be in kind of more of a normal phase. But it's still, you know, it's here. I mean, it's like if you look at the the number statistics and the things, it's I mean yeah. it hasn't gone anywhere. I think it's just the perception's changing. Yeah. Uh, it and, is. It is
0: exciting to see many things coming back, getting back to normal. I know gyms are opening tomorrow, yeah. and if you're like me and you've been sitting on your couch and eating way too much, you're excited to get back to the gym and work yeah. out. So I am looking forward to that. Also got a haircut this week, if yeah. you guys hadn't noticed. I'm, I'm so pretty lowered as well. I could literally feel the weight of hair, <laughs> how much hair I had on the top of my head. So I it, liked it the was, long
1: hair. I, I kind of dug it. It was kind of a, a, you know. Some people just doesn't
0: work. Other people it looks great on. Darren Weinger, you look great with long hair. Yeah. Nice flowing. Me, it just, get. Yeah, I just turn into a, a big puff ball. So yeah. yeah.
1: It's fantastic. <laughs>
0: Well, um, we're so excited to be with you guys this week, um, even though it's virtually. We, we miss you guys as a church family, but thankful that we have this format, that we're able to get together yeah. weekly. And, and we believe that um, more than just streaming content and funny jokes and trivia into your homes and every week, we believe that, that God is showing up in people's lives through this, that, that right now in your living room or wherever you are, that, that God is there and that God is pursuing people um, we believe, we, we talk about here at um, Ocean City Church all the time about the ocean of grace, that yeah. we we exist to invite anyone and everyone into the unending ocean of grace that comes only through Jesus. And so I just love how, um, uh, like our family this week, we did the Wednesday thing with um, the, um, the study that we're doing as a church and just the questions that that's... Um, been able to allow us to talk about as a family has been really good. The times haven't always been great, and maybe you've struggled with that as a family or to carve out that time to spend time together, but you know, we're trying to kind of walk through this season of life as a church family together, even though we're, we're separate. And yeah. so that's been a challenge. I know for some people it's hard to...
1: Dan, it's it, been a challenge for me. <laughs> I mean, um,
0: one more Zoom call, and I think I'm, you know, just going to go crazy, but... Um, but then we take a step back and, and we just see that that God God is in the middle of all of this. Yeah. And Maybe everything is not clear yet, um, but but God is working in people's lives. He and is. Um, we're we're excited for that, and we believe that this is this is a piece of that. That this is not just about. You know, entertaining you for an hour on Sunday morning, but that that we want to um, deliver the word of God. We're we're praying that God even today does something through this time that we have together, where we're walking through Acts, and um, yeah. we try and make it fun and entertaining. We'll have a we'll have a guest uh, anchor coming up in just a bit that you'll be excited to meet. It's going to be a great. Um, interview, but you know more so than all of that. Um, we really believe that God is working through all of this. And so, if you're a guest with us this morning, maybe somehow you stumbled onto this live stream. Somebody sent you a link, and you and you clicked on it, or you were just watching cat videos five minutes ago, and now you're in the OCC live stream. We're so glad that you're here. Um, Again, we believe God has something for everybody that's watching in um, and seeing this today. And so there's a place on the Ocean Ocean City Church website, oceancitychurch.org. You can look for I'm new new here. Um, If you click on that, there's a virtual connect card. Um, We would love to connect with you um, just to know that you're out there. If you've got prayer requests or things that that if you have needs out there that um, you can let us know about, it's a great way to communicate with us. Um, But we'd love to get to know you and get you plugged into our church during this season.
1: Yeah. That's
0: awesome. So, um, Derek, I know a lot of people. Um, we've been talking kind of for weeks now. Kind of, all right. What's what's the next phase of the yeah. church life going to look like? Especially as we think about moving into the summer. Certainly, we had a lot of things on the calendar that um, that there still was questions up in the air whether these things were going to happen. But um, talk to us a little bit about kind of what, what what is the plan for the coming weeks, and maybe what the summer's going to look like at Ocean City Church.
1: Yeah, I mean, in some ways, people you know about. As much as we know when it comes to what's going on locally and what's going on in the country in terms of what people are suggesting we do. Um, Churches have, I mean, what your government officials will tell you is churches have never been closed. They've been uh, considered essential, but we've all been asked uh, as churches or at least uh, churches that are are around our size or bigger um, to, to not gather, to continue to gather virtually. Uh, so, but now we're kind of uh, what's happening right now, and I think I think those of you that are sending me churches that are um, going back to meeting live uh, and sending me texts and links about uh, their process and procedure across the country, I appreciate it. I really do. Um, but we're looking. One of the things we want to do is, is do things you know, that that makes sense locally for us. So there's church leaders that are working with the mayor right now, and they're putting together some guidelines. Now, there is some churches that are going ahead and going live locally. Um, They're not waiting for some of those processes and procedures uh, that Lenny Curry is going to help extend to some of the churches. Um, But we're going to wait for those, uh, because some of the church leaders that are doing it are some that we trust. So we're, you know, letting them develop those guidelines, send those to us, and then we'll, we have to, they want us to modify that to our size church and the things that we're doing. Uh, So This has been a common statement with a lot of us as church leaders. Uh, When we know, you'll know. Um, Our best guess is that sometime in the beginning beginning of June, we'll see some sort of adjustment in the way that we do things on Sundays and throughout the week in terms of live gatherings. Right now, if you're in a city group, city groups are um, kind of stepping into meeting live. They're kind of separating and, and reducing their numbers they're uh, paying attention to the CDC guidelines, but they're meeting in backyards, um, guys on one the night, beach, girls Sunday on one evening. night. Yep, some people at the bees. that where y'all are meeting this, yes. tonight? Tonight. Uh, so, so that's really, I mean, group. that is exciting. Like the feedback, what's interesting is the Vyingers group just met uh, for the first time live. And for the first time in history of any city group, 100% of everybody <laughs> on the roll showed up. So if there's anything yeah. positive in this waiting period, and it's something I'll talk about as we talk about the book yeah. of Acts. There is, uh, you know, we're, it's like the church, I believe God is presenting things like we're, there's a loaded weapon in terms of the gospel moving forward and things that are going to happen as a result of this. But yeah. when, when we know, you'll know, but expect something in, in the coming weeks, um, we are um, we have some strategies, some things that we've put together um, for what this room will look like, what it will look like to do children's ministry. But be patient. We won't be able to serve everybody right away, uh, depending on what type of family you have, what t- you know, how old your kids are, those kinds of things. Yeah. We're going to have to make concessions. Um, but we'll, in that season, if you have to be home because of whatever reason, uh, we'll continue to live stream and you'll be able to be with us. Uh, virtually, maybe yeah. we'll throw your comments up on the on the big screen. <laughs> so
0: and so things that we had planned for the summer. So
1: we know yes. we had passion camp was on the
0: calendar, and people have been wondering about that. Um, we know we had summer um, swell coming up. We know you know there were, we would have, normally have our theology classes and things like that. Yeah. So for the time being, those things are we we're taking those things off of the calendar. Yeah. Right?
1: So we we talked about this at staff this week. We want to really readjust our focus. You know, we had you know obviously as churches you know. In the normal world, uh, you've got all these programmatic things that you're doing throughout the summer. You've got things that you're doing from month to month. Right. You know, you've know, you got prayer gatherings, worship gatherings. You've got camps. You have all of those things. Right now, all of those things, not because we wanted to, were kind of taken off the table, at least in terms of scheduling. Well, we've decided not to put all those things immediately back on the table or try to make guesses um, we're taking this opportunity to say, you know, we're going to put all our eggs in the basket that God's leaned us towards from the beginning, which is inviting anyone and everyone into the yeah. uninitiative of grace. So we're going to look at our city groups and we're going to look at our gatherings. We're going to look at all the things that we do. Um, and really, as we're in the book of Acts and we're talking about what it looks like for you and me and the church to bring the gospel to our city and to the ends of the earth, yeah. we're going to focus, um, be laser focused in this season. So in the summer, that's what the summer will look like. Uh, in terms of uh, children's ministry, Summer Swell, um, we'll be rescheduling to, to 2021. And so what we do with kids ministry will be very evangelistic. If we do anything in the summer, everything will kind of go in that bucket. So, you know, people are asking questions. Are we going to do this? What's going on with this camp or that camp? Just as, for, as of right now, you'll know when we know. But for yeah. the most part, we're clearing the docket and we are going to laser focus in this area of leveraging our city groups and leveraging our gatherings for Sending people out and seeing, awesome. yeah, challenging one another um, and what it looks like to yeah, carry the gospel. And, and while, you
0: know, it's certainly disappointing that we don't have, aren't going to be able to do all the things we want to do. I mean, I know my kids every year, Passion Camp, it's, it's like the most important thing in the world to them. So we know there's a lot of disappointment around not being able to, to do some of those things, but there is a lot to be excited about too. I mean, the, the fact that we're moving into a season where we're gonna have city groups be able yeah. to, to maybe have some physical interaction, socially distance, but different things that city groups can do together that is exciting, and I know we're all longing for that, even based on the participation that the Vyinger group had. Like, if, if you want to join a city group and you're not in a city group, now is the time. Um, and so the, yeah. there's a way you can do that through the website, say, like, more information on a city group, and um, we can get you connected with a city group. So the city groups are meeting. Um, OCC students um, are starting back some of their small groups here in the next week or so. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited I, about that and the they are excited we're about it. that yeah. too. Yeah. So, um, so you'll see OCC students, small groups begin to, to gather back together again. And then we're also just talking about, I mean, I know, you know, we, people that are watching this this morning are in many different places. Um, and, and, you know, what would it look like if we got small groups of watch parties together where we could, you know, do some worship together on a Sunday, um, before the live stream or just have, you know, group, whether it's the city groups or other groups that make it together and watch. Um, watch this live stream together. So I know it's um, when that's we, happening
1: today, actually. By the way, that's I've, awesome. I've heard yeah. some. I mean, uh, it's it's you know, These orders. kind of things are nice they're job. more
0: they're more connecting and fun when you're when you're doing it with other people. Yeah. So um, so so more to come on that. We definitely want to keep you as informed um, as we can, and um, we're just excited again about what God is going to do in our church and in your life this season. I mean, Jesus, I just love his words in in Matthew when he says, you know, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I think one of the things that's been elusive for me and probably a lot of you out there is just this idea of good rest during this time. And I just love Jesus's words just says, come to me. And so we want to be able to provide that path, whether it's virtually or in small groups for people to come to Jesus. Um, And you can do that right where you are today in your living room. So um, awesome! Excited about that. Um, we're going to move into um, time for our interview um, yeah. in just a second here. As we do that, um, just want to remind you guys about giving. Um, we um, we have a fellowship fund that's been set up to help those that might be in uh, more financially in need during this time. So there, on our website, you'll find a way to um, to apply for those funds if if you find yourself in in need um but just thank you to the our church out there you've amazing maintained and continued to be generous despite what i know for for many of us our, our challenges financially and so um thank you so much um, and we're excited about what god is going to do in the days um days to come with financially in our church so we yeah. believe that giving just like we we sing in our house um in worship we believe giving is an act of worship and so our encouragement to you as a church is not to continue that so that the church can benefit financially but continue that because it's about worship in our hearts and i know for me it's, it's been a little bit tougher to hit that send button um, when it comes to, you know, our giving every month because I think about all the things that might be coming down the road. But it's been great for my, my heart and my soul when we do that because um, it's just a great reminder of everything that we have comes from God and that's what we believe. So um, with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with our guest in just a minute.
2: You
1: know, always for those of you that don't know, Chris, this is Chris Linster, and we just brought him on because he is stunning and attractive. <laughs> Look at that! Nobody has a beard like Chris. Linster. And I'm
0: sure he built that shelf behind him too. He
1: did, yeah, because he is he is as manly as his beard says. Master Absolutely. Carpet.
2: I actually am terrible at woodworking
1: terrible I love that you shouldn't have said that out loud you don't look like you should be terrible with woodworking that's actually
2: one of the things if Anna had like a list of things that she wished I could do better she always she's like such a like pallet wall kind of girl that she's always like I wish you were better at woodworking That's amazing. So
0: this is Chris Linster, everybody. Um, Welcome to the OCC live stream. Um, So Chris, tell us a little bit about, uh, give us an update on your family, how how you guys have been doing um, during this time. What's the latest with the Linsters? We understand there might be some big news out there and kind of tell, and then from there, talk to us a little bit about how things have been going with your city group. Yeah, yeah,
2: definitely. So um, I'm Chris. My wife is Anna. We have two little boys, Deacon and Ezekiel. They are four and two. Uh, they are completely crazy. During the, <laughs> <laughs> during the COVID, it's been uh, like wrestling an alligator for sure to try to keep the boys calm, trying to take them and get them outside as much as possible. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and also, too, like I'll say this because I'm so out of touch on social media, I have no idea what's even cool anymore. So I'll say I guess it's Facebook official because Anna posted something. Uh, so, yeah, we're having a baby, another baby. The baby will be here in August amazing and, uh, yeah super stoked about that can't wait uh so that's i guess great news
1: so, yeah i guess what's the well, math on that we have about 14 weeks left something like that wow that's yeah. crazy so what uh what is what is it like to be to be pregnant during a viral pandemic i mean how, how's that been going for you well you know at first i you know, i just felt really
2: nauseous and sick and then <laughs> And then, you know, that got a little better, but then just the, the fatigue just really kind of set in. No, Yeah, uh, I'm
1: sure you've been but, real tired. You yeah. know, we've got, we've got a, a, a photograph of you. I don't know if you know this, but uh, we, we, we've seen just how difficult it is <laughs> this for you. Is, this is Chris during pregnancy. Is that pregnancy Anna's pregnancy right pillow here? that you're laying on? I just yep. can't even. It's amazing yep, so.
2: right there. Yeah, so I actually ordered that for myself and she stole it. So <laughs> I
0: love how we still got the phone in hand. I know. Just in I, case something improved. I can relate to that
1: and, and with no pregnant wife falling asleep with phone in hand. That's yeah, beautiful. that's
2: right. That's right. So, yeah, my office for work is actually in our bedroom. And so, half the time, Anna will come in here. I'm actually like laying on the bed on like a phone call trying to close a deal. And everybody probably thinks I'm like in like a, a nice dress suit or something like that trying to make these deals. And so I'm like in PJs laying on the pregnancy pillow. It's that's been right. killer. He
1: can close <laughs> deals horizontally, Close I like deals it, yeah. with a yeah, pregnancy right. pillow. That's amazing. That's right.
0: So, Chris, um, talk to us a little bit about your city group. I know you guys are in the Berries group, and so give us an update on how things have been going there, what's happening with the Berries. Yeah, yeah.
2: So it's it's definitely been a little bit of a change of pace. It's still been great, but the Berries are uh, temporarily Texans right now. Yeah. So um, they're going to be there for a couple months having a nice adventure. So, um, you know, from their standpoint, you know, we've been talking to them quite a bit, and they've still been jumping on the Zoom calls when they can. But you know, Mike's out there riding the ship and uh, getting it set up so that things are gonna continue to look good moving forward with this company, uh, doing doing the good things like he does, like he's so well known for. Uh, and it sounds like from Jody's perspective and the girls' perspective, it sounds like they found some fun things to do. And That's so good. they're out there just kind of having fun, having a nice little temporary adventure. Um, one thing we were talking about on our Zoom call this past week on Thursday, Steven Burner's actually, I, I didn't know this until Thursday, but apparently he's like an amateur weather person. And so he's like talking about going to chase tornadoes in her in Tornado Alley. Uh, And so he was giving us an update that there it's actually going to be a little bit more of a subdued tornado season out there this year because the berries are kind of like right in the zone. Um, So I was we were like, oh, no, you're going to be there for tornado season. (laughs) and you're going to be back here for hurricane season. But Steve was like, oh, no, don't don't worry about it. We're fine. It's going to be subdued. So hopefully they'll they'll kind of avoid any of that. But yeah, they're, uh, they're in, in North Texas, kind of right on the border of Oklahoma on a big lake, right on the border. So they're kind of right there in the alley, but uh, hopefully they'll be all squared away.
0: Yeah. We're looking forward to having them back here in a few weeks.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And so as far as our city group goes, um, you know, the zoom calls have been they've been a change of pace. They've kind of thankful for those, you know, technology, thank God for technology. We're still able to stay in touch, but there's nothing like being able to, to get together in person. So we actually, last night kind of shifted course a little bit. We did our zoom call on Thursday, but Anna had some of the girls from the city group over to the house last night, uh, socially distanced the whole thing, you know, but, um, that was really good to get them all in person and, um, be able to, to have them over and just, just talk for a little while.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you just, uh, you know, one of the things that you've been passionate about, and before we even had a legit name for it, uh, which is Tribe. Um, tribe! And, tribe! <laughs> uh, men's ministry. We're better together, right? Um, yeah, that's right. And just just talk about your, you, you, you know, how God's kind of led you to that place of yeah. being passionate about men's ministry. I mean, from the day that, that I met you, um, is one of the things that you've been like, you know, when are we, we going to get guys together? We need to be accountable to one another. We need to spiritually lead our homes. You know, what, you know what, what's kind of led you to that place?
2: Yeah, sure. So part
1: of part of my story is that I I was a I was a pitcher. I
2: played baseball my whole life. I played at UNF. And so as a pitcher, you're kind of an individual in the middle of a team sport. Right. And so I feel like it's so easy for guys just collectively to kind of do that. You know, life should be a team sport. It's the way that God set it up for us. But it's so easy for guys to just stand on the mound as an individual and kind of watch the team sport play out around them. And so it's so important to pull ourselves out of that natural tendency that so many guys have and just to jump right in. And so like, I think that the, the the tribe setup was such a good thing because it just gave guys a forum basically to get together and, you know, eat a low country boil off of paper on a table instead of, you know, right. try to like fit ourselves into this niche uh, that we have so often and, you know, sipping lattes at church and things like that. So I, Thought tribe was such a great idea. Just got a bunch of guys together, uh, you know, just let us be out in the woods and be guys, and uh, just do the thing. And so, you know, I, I it was so it was so awesome to me that we did that right before all of this happened because I feel like so many of us, just from talking to different guys throughout the church, so many of us needed that momentum mm-hmm. of hey, this live, this doing life as a community of brothers is amazing, and I want to take that momentum through COVID and come out on the other side and just realize that you got to keep playing the team sport and not just stand on the mound by yourself while the team sport plays out around you. And so so I hope that, I hope that every guy in the church, you know, guys that I've been talking to just trying to encourage them. I hope that every guy in the church is just taking this time. You know, I like to, my place is out in the woods. I love to just go and just sit in the woods, sit in the tree stand. I can sit out there for days, take my Bible, hunt some deer, you know, read some scripture, just get in communion with God. And so I hope that as this like hard break has happened in COVID and so many guys have been forced to kind of work from home and get on the on the floor and play with the Rugrats at home, that 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 hard break that was forced on us has put us in that place of, hey, it's it's kind of still, it's slow, it's quiet. Let's get in communion with God and really use this as a launching pad into just A complete revival in the church of men jumping into yes. that leadership roles with their family. I love that. I'm getting I love excited. That. I'm fired <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And you know, like you guys, thanks so much for the work that you've done because you've actually made it so easy. You kind of pressed the easy button for us with giving us like the kids' devotions that we have that we could do once a week with our family. You know, I love to sit down and read that with the boys and get so excited about the stories and. You've done such a great job with giving the breakdown for elementary and toddler and making it so easy for them to learn on their level, and yeah. so just doing that, you know, getting down on the floor on their level and just getting at their eye level and saying, "Hey, this is what God has to tell us, and this is God's big plan, and this is how Stephen fits in from Acts 6. and so just all those things that that's your wife and us. Yeah, don't thank us.
1: They and yeah. Yeah. we have other people that, that did the, that. Yeah, yeah. Anna and Whitney and that kids team—they've done amazing they really have done an amazing job i was wondering what that would look like and i it's one of those things i honestly just handed off to whitney and the kids team and they just have kind of run with it and done creative stuff and it's been amazing yeah if you have kids at
0: home just like chris was saying you haven't um, found those things online yet great great resources um, to really help to do devotions and connect with your kids during this time. So well, Chris, thank you so much for um, coming on and sharing that. I know I
1: always get amped up when I talk. I know it just appreciate (laughs) your heart and your
0: passion for your family, for ministry, um, specifically for men's ministry and what you've helped us to launch there. And we look forward to continuing that in whatever way, shape or form that God allows us to do it uh, moving forward. So um, blessings to the Linsters are excited about yeah. um, the Love new edition that will be on the way. Yeah. And, um, try not to take too many naps. There you go. i got to <laughs> get that pillow out of my system. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks, Chris. All right, Chris. man. All right. Have a great thanks, rest guys. of your Sunday. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll yep. be right back with um, Derek talking about Acts chapter 8.
1: Sweet. Here we are. We're back. Or actually, I'm back and you're back, um, man. I, I do get excited. I mean, yeah. Do you guys? When Chris is like, uh, he's got one of those passions for uh, the gospel and for um, just community and what it looks like. And when, when he when he's talking and getting amped up, I mean, he's he's good at a lot of things that he does. Obviously, he's not great at woodworking, but he's good at grunting out an amazing beard. Um, but he really his relationship with God, uh, the way that he leads his family, um, and his passion for Uh, You know, leading men in this church and having men lead their homes and lead in a way that um, honors God, but also uh, leads the church into the unknown when it comes to evangelizing and carrying the gospel. Awesome to have him in. Well, if you got your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter eight. Man, I am amped up about today, and not just because of Chris, but just because of what God's been doing. Um, And I'm just in that place of you know, really gazing at the cross of Jesus Christ and um, remembering what he's done not as this thing in the story that we've read but my personal uh, encounter with God and uh, and and knowing that he has rescued me that he has changed me from the inside out that he poured his blood out for me and not this kind of global event even though it was a global event but this personal event where, where Jesus is looking at you and looking at me Um, and saying, I've done this for you. I've poured my blood out for you. It's just one of those things that's been in my heart. And man, that is the the engine of the gospel. When the Holy Spirit connects with uh, what's happening with the gospel in our own heart, that is when all of a sudden the church gets set on fire. And when I look at Acts chapter 8, I don't know why this came to my mind, but uh, I don't know how many of you are homeowners, but I remember when I bought my first home. And in some ways it was my dream home just because I couldn't, Beth and I didn't, we couldn't imagine buying a home and we were walking around in our home and it was bigger than we thought it was going to be. And uh, but there were, but me being into decorating and design and I know that gets my man card immediately removed. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do I, get, I dig that kind of stuff like the, the, the flow and the feng shui of a room and how things feel. And the room did not feel great uh, for one reason and it was the kitchen. Uh, the kitchen setup was nice, it had a big big open area, but the linoleum was, was this awful white um, and it got filthy at, like w- in two seconds. We had uh, pickled oak cabinets. I mean, I don't know if you know what those are, but that's like pink. Uh, and they were, it was just awful. It was 90s dated, you know, and I love the 90s. I mean, Pearl Jam was awesome, but the cabinets were awful. I mean, it just absolutely terrible. So one night, uh, my wife was out doing something, and this is what dudes do—they just kind of stare at problems for a while and figure out, "Am I going to tackle this, or am I going to go take a nap, hang, a, you know, hug, hug the pregnancy <laughs> pillow?" Uh, and I was staring at those floors, and I'm like, "I got to do something about these floors now." I have a strategy in life. I don't know that it's a good strategy, um, (laughs) but most people that know me and certainly my staff knows this about me, like if you are standing in a moment and you're passionate about it and you're excited, you're like, okay, I got to deal with this problem. I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to change this right here. You should jump on like that. You should make a move right then because that time's going to pass. The passion's going to fade and you're, you know what? I'm tired. I'm not going to do that right now. So my strategy is you've got to do something very devastating to something in that arena, so that you can't go back to the old. In other words, you've got to you've got to move and go. Well, now I've done it. I've got to go ahead and fix this. So, while my wife was gone, I just started ripping the trim off the walls in the kitchen, like just ripping it off, just with a with a you know with a hammer and a crowbar, uh, trying to protect it. But sheetrock was everywhere. I mean, I destroyed <laughs> destroyed the kitchen, and the whole idea there is. Either you're going to accept, either you're going to go in the route of failure and going back to the old and putting the old trim back on and re-caulking it, or you're just going to, we got to redo the floors. It's time to redo the floors. And she came home and she knew exactly, my wife knows me really well. She knew exactly, she goes, I guess, I guess we're doing the kitchen floors. I'm like, yes, we are. Because you're not, we're not going to accept failure. We're not going to go back in that arena. And my staff knows that sometimes we'll announce things. And it'll feel like on our announcements, we got graphics for it. We got all this stuff. We have no idea what we're doing. We, don't, we haven't made a plan yet, but now we've announced it publicly and we got to do it. And, and what I thought about when I think about where we are and how faithful God is with us, um, sometimes because we get into these zones of the normal and the way that we do things, that we need a little bit of a push. And in some ways, I feel like God has done this for the church. He's ripped the trim off. And he says, you've got a choice right now. You can go back to where you were and re-caulk it and have old floors. Or you can say, you know what? We're not going to be settlers. We're going to be pioneers and we're going to move forward. Something is going to change. And maybe God has just ripped the trim off of the church. Maybe he's done it in your life. He doesn't want the church to go back to what it used to be. Maybe he doesn't want you to go back to what you used to be. And we've got an opportunity right now. To change things. And when we, we see things in Acts chapter 8, and I'm not saying that the church is bad. Like what we've been doing as a church uh, at OCC, we've been inviting anyone and everyone into the unending ocean of grace that comes through Jesus alone. And I've seen amazing life change here. My own life has been changed here. The people that are sitting in this room right now, their their lives have been changed here. But God is, that, that there is a time where God all of a sudden Changes things. Not that it's been bad, but it's time to move and move out. And what's happening in Acts chapter 8, what's incredible about what we see in Acts chapter 8 is the gospel has been exploding in Jerusalem. It's been exploding in Judea because Jesus said, like at the very beginning, Acts chapter 1, he says, You go to Jerusalem, don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes. And then you are going to be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here we've got Jerusalem big gatherings of people just clustering around the apostles as miracles are being performed, followers of Jesus in the thousands. It's gone from Jerusalem, thousands in Judea have become followers of Jesus. And then we hit Acts chapter 6. It's getting so big and the movement's growing in this central area in these gatherings around the temple, around the cities with all of these followers of Jesus are getting so big. They're like, hey, we got to employ seven dudes that are going to help us, you know, Distribute needs, bread, all this stuff. We're gonna we're gonna employ that, and that's where Stephen and the other six were put in put in play. But then something happens. There's a there's a huge disruption, and and what you're gonna to see today in Acts chapter eight is you're gonna see the good news jump the ethnic banks, um, and, and if you look at Acts chapter eight. Just jump in there with me. It says at the very beginning, it's funny there's an and at the beginning of the chapter. It says, and Saul approved of his execution. Now, what it's talking about there is Stephen, obviously. And Saul would eventually become Paul, as Beth said last week, which is incredible. You've got a guy that's murdering Christians, is going to become the the, the one that's going to carry the gospel literally uh, just all over the place. He is, he is going to be the uh, God by the power of the Holy Spirit, the engine that is going to plant churches. Um, but then it says... In the midst of Stephen's stoning, what's happening now is people are like, okay, things have changed, right? Because it says, and there rose on that day a great persecution. So Stephen's stoning and then persecution started happening in Jerusalem and Judea against the church. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They stayed central in Jerusalem. And what's crazy is, is, All of a sudden, right now, everything was—they were gathering in these large groups, right? They were gathering in homes, spreading the gospel. They were in the in in the um, public area of the temple, and the apostles are preaching the gospel. Now they're getting in trouble. They're getting called in, you know, like, hey, in front of the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders. Can you please stop doing this? We're going to have to give you a beating, and you're going to go back out there. But can you not just? Speak in the name of Jesus. Can you stop doing this? And of course, it's this circular thing. They go back out. They preach again. They get called in. They arrest them again. They put them in jail. Sometimes an angel breaks them out. Sometimes they get out on their own. And they keep going back. And eventually they say, okay, our strategy is not working. So the next thing that they do to shut down the gospel is murder. So people do what you think they would do. It says right here, it says they were scattered. They ran for their lives. They ran for their lives. But what's crazy about what's happening right here is is in the midst of what they think is their plan, God's executing the bigger plan. He's pulling the trim off because they're just in Judea and Jerusalem. But Jesus said it's going to go to where? Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's going to be executed by a guy named Phil. A guy named Phil. Phil. And you might be thinking, I don't know a Phil, I know John, I know Peter, Paul, maybe a Luke, I know that. But who in the world is Phil? Well, you heard about Phil in Acts chapter 6. He was one of the seven, the bread distribution. He was actually in charge of bread distribution. Actually, he wasn't in charge of bread distribution. Stephen was in charge. He was the assistant to the manager of bread distribution. (laughs) So you've got Stephen who dies, and then all of a sudden persecution breaks out, and you've got a guy named Phil. And he is going to jump the ethnic banks and you're going to see the other listen to this, the other half of the Great Commission is going to be launched by a guy named Phil. The guy who drives the bread truck is about to change the world. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things, right in line with what Beth said last week. Incredible. The guy and you know what I get excited about that. like I, I get... It's that moment, you know, when you're you're talking about what's going to happen in the church after this. And I think we're all in that place. But I think our tendency is, is all right, I'm amped up. This is good. This is ordinary people, man. I'm like, you go get them, Derek. You know, you go get them, OCC staff. I mean, I love what God's done with OCC. Look at Leslie. She was a cheerleader. She was a fine arts major. Now she's carrying the gospel. That is amazing. Got Ann, who was very shy as a kid, wouldn't talk to anybody. Now she's the front door of the church. You go, OCC staff. But guess what? You, through on the other side of the camera, you followers of Jesus, you are plan A. You are, you are the ordinary people that God has called to do extraordinary things by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't think so, there's a guy who drove the bread truck and his name is Phil. And he's going to launch the other 50% of the Great Commission, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what you see here in, in verse 4, look at this. It says, and now those who were scattered... They didn't just scatter. They were about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed Christ to them. The first thing I want you to see today, because today we're going to get really practical. I'm going to kind of walk through three practical things. But first, I want to look at some perspective. Like, we got to have some perspective because you're not going to go out. Like, I think all of us get excited about carrying the gospel. But when it comes to actually doing it, I think all of us kind of go, that seems weird. Like, we were, we were like, okay, let's, the church is going to, we're all going to do it together. This is going to be, be this thing where we're going to collectively do it. We'll do it with the staff. Derek's going to be, we're going to be doing this with the, these people. And, but it's you. What, what, what about us? What about us individually? And I get that. It is scary. Like, it's not something that, like, maybe you think that oh, Derek's probably good at that. He goes out and he just, everywhere he goes, he's knocking on doors going, if you were to die tonight, where are you going to go? I, that's not my jam. It's just not me. So I I totally understand that. But it doesn't change the fact that this was God's plan, that he would take feeble and fallen clay, broken people like me and broken people like you to carry the word of God and carry the great news that there's a savior of the world. And his name is Jesus. And he's come for you. He's pursuing you. He died for you, but he is alive and you could be alive, too. We want to carry that news to the ends of the earth. And it says here in verse five, it says, Philip. He went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed Christ to them. And this is their perspective. Their perspective is the perspective that we should have, which you would read in Colossians 3. Like if you're a believer, in Colossians 3, the very top of Colossians 3, it says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. And we're thinking, well, we shouldn't be involved in material things. We should be, you know, heavenward. We should think about when we're going to be with Jesus. No, what the apostle Paul's saying, he's saying, change your lens. Because these guys were scattered because they, they were like, we're going to get murdered, which was true. We're going to get persecuted. But guess what they did? They kept proclaiming Jesus. They kept pursuing carrying the name of Jesus. And it said, Philip proclaimed him. This word right here is caruso in the Greek, which means herald, which was a very prestigious role for a, uh, in the court of the king. The herald was the one that brought the message of the king. And these, their perspective was, "Hey, we're not carrying the message from the King of Judea, which would be awesome, and they would—that's a powerful guy." But they were thinking, no, we're carrying the message of the king of kings, the creator of the universe. My life, these people, their lives had changed. Many of them had been physically healed, but then they met Jesus. Then they met the the author and perfecter of their faith, and they became followers of Jesus. And their perspective, their lens had completely changed. They experienced the gospel. This wasn't people that were like, oh, I guess we got to go take the gospel to the ends of the earth because they told us we had to go take the gospel. No, these people could not help it. They had an ambassador's perspective, not a citizen of earth's perspective. They were scattered, but continued to proclaim. And they, they, they proclaimed it in Samaria. Philip ends up in Samaria. And if you know a little bit about Samaria, I mean, there's a feud between. The, this would never have happened if God didn't rip the trim off. If persecution hadn't come into the church, they would be in Jerusalem and Judea, and they would be experiencing the growth, the megachurch growth in that area. But, but God's like, no, it's, it's, it's not going to stay here. It's going to go to Samaria, which I know that makes it, the Jews cringe. And it's going to go to the ends of the earth because there was a thousand-year feud between the Samarians and the Jews. They were the same people at one point, And the Samaritans during the Assyrian exile, they just said, hey, we're kind of throwing the towel. We're going to intermarry. We're going to do what they're doing. And the Jews were like, oh, my goodness. They called them half-breeds and heretics, and they hated one another. So much so that when the Jews rebuilt the temple, that they said, you're not invited. So the Samaritans, you know what the Samaritans that they built a rival temple. So there's two temples. Now, just a little bit of Bible teaching. In John chapter 4, when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman, they're, they're having this conversation. One, you see why, like in that context, you see why she was shocked that Jesus, most Jews would go around Samaria. They wouldn't even walk through it. So she's surprised that he would walk through there, much less talk to a Samaritan woman at a well. She's shocked. But then she has this conversation. She talks about true worship. So if you know that passage, you remember that. So she says, is, you know, where do I worship? Is it going to be on this mountain or that mountain? And if you didn't ever understand that, what she's talking about, is it in my temple in Samaria, the Temple mountain in Samaria, or is it the Temple Mount in Jerusalem? Which Is it okay for me to just be in Samaria? Do I have to be in Jerusalem? And Jesus is telling her, Neither. There's, there's going to be a day, and the day has now come where true worship. We will worship in spirit and truth. He was saying through me, those temple systems, this temple thing that's been going on, was God instituted, is is gone, and now the Savior has come. You will worship in spirit and truth in the places that you are. You will connect with God. So that's just a little context in terms of what's going on. When we think about Samaria, and this is all of a sudden racial divides being healed. You've got Philip going to Samaria, which nobody would unless persecution had broken out. And it did. And it blows up. I mean, just to fast forward through this section, because we want to get to this, these three points here at the end. He goes there and the guy, the, the, the bread distribution dude. Starts healing people, casting out demons. He has a showdown with a magician. I mean, it's like Harry Potter-esque. I mean, that's normal. I mean, it's just a crazy passage. So much so that the, the apostles Peter and John, they left Jerusalem just to come see what was happening. They're like... Something's happening in Samaria. We didn't even think it would happen. Well, I mean, I know he said Samaria, but it's happening in Samaria right now. And is it Phil? Do you even know Phil? I'm not sure if you know Phil. I've, I met Phil once. I mean, Stephen, we know because he had the long sermon and the thing where he got killed. But Phil, who's Phil? Is he the assistant to the, the manager? I don't even know who Phil is. They hear that he's doing amazing things and they go. But then something incredible happens. And this is, that gives you some perspective of where these people were. They weren't carrying the gospel because they had to. They couldn't help but carry it. But then how do you practice it? Well, you see in this past, this is why I love the Bible, because I'm, I feel like I'm a novice as an evangelist, as a pastor, and that's a sad thing to say. And I want that to change in our church and in the life of our church. But how do, what does this look like as we practice it? If you look at verse 26 in Acts chapter 8, something happens while Philip's in Samaria. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Okay, so my my first point here is be willing. Like as we practice what it looks like to carry the gospel, there's a willingness. So he's being asked to leave ministry success, like massive ministry success. I mean, he's gotten the attention of of Peter and John. You know, the, the apostle of apostles are coming to see what's happening in his church that's blowing up right there in Samaria, this movement of God that's happening. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord says, hey, I know you got people here. I know you got, now he's got protection in Samaria. Like, Phil, we got your back. We love you. And he's got to leave that. All of a sudden he's saying, okay, can you go to the desert? And Gaza was a nowhere place. It had been destroyed. It was a nowhere land. Didn't even make sense. Doesn't get the entire story. And I just want to say this because this is the way that God works. Not a lot of detail, but are you willing are you willing to go? Like, are you willing to be used by God? Are you willing to be used by God? And I just think in this scenario for us, even just being willing to pray, are, you, are we starting with the simple step? Because that's what the, the apostles did. That's what the people of God did. If you look all through the book of Acts, leading up to Acts chapter eight, they would get together. They would pray for boldness. They would pray for opportunity. Are we praying for opportunities? If you don't know, hey, if you, if you want to, Pray a yes prayer with God. Pray for opportunities to carry the gospel to the people around you, to your family, to your friends, at your workplace, at your gym. That's a yes. It's a scary prayer, I'll tell you that. Because God will open it up in awkward ways for you. And you will, it, will be, it will be that moment. It's a yes prayer. And what I mean by that is there's prayers that we pray to God that aren't necessarily bad, but you know we might not get them answered because God's going to do what's best for us, not necessarily what we ask for. Like, God, I need a new car. I got a beat up minivan. The door doesn't work. And I live in a decent neighborhood. It's kind of embarrassing. I got Phil over here or Larry or whoever. He's got the nice Lexus and I got the van door. You know, is there any way we could do something about the car? Well, he might not give you. Maybe he will, in his grace and mercy, give you a brand new Odyssey with the door that's got the automatic button. But that, that, that might not get answered. But asking for opportunities to carry the gospel, I'm telling you right now, that's a yes prayer from God. He's going to come in and he is going to set your radar on fire. And it's going to be unsettling in some ways. I remember being in college ministry and we, I don't know if we were in the book of Acts. I can't even remember where we were, but we were talking about evangelism and the college students said, well, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for opportunity. Let's start there. And I'm telling you, it's scary when you do that. So they, we we all prayed and then coming out of prayer, some of the college students said, Hey, what if we just didn't do church normal? Like as college students, what if we, did an, and just they came up with this idea of an alternative service in a bar or a, you know a, a nightclub or somewhere, and we didn't have all the ideas. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Christians in the bar, the people will love that. Um, but they really pressed on. They said, we don't even have all the ideas fleshed out, but we feel like we just prayed. God wants to bring opportunity. We, we're here in Riverside. Let's do this thing. So I, I started this contest. I said, anybody that gets me a, an appointment with a bar or club owner, I'll give you an iPad. Like, I'll give you an iPad. And within a day, I had <laughs> appointments lined up, college students were like, "Oh I mean, yeah, I'll do it." Um, and one of them worked out, and it was the, probably the most least likely one. It was uh, F- uh, fuel at Five Points in Riverside, which was a hardcore venue. Um, they had you know one of the venues in Jacksonville for regional concerts. And it was I just didn't think the guy would ever say yes. And the guy's like, yes. He goes, "But." We're going to have to have, our staff's going to run it. Like our staff's going to run sound. Our staff's going to run the bar. We're still going to be open for business like we would if a a show was playing here. Um, You can take the the back area where the stage is and the area where everybody would see. And then we'll just do our normal bar thing. The girl that runs sound, she's going to run sound. The guy that runs the bar, Brandon, he's going to run the bar and you can do your service. And we said, great. And I can't tell you all the stories that broke out from Fuel. Somebody, I bet there's somebody watching the stream right now. I know some people in our church that came, ended up in the church through the ministry at Fuel, but they would do normal. It was like a normal night. We would preach the gospel. We would have worship and then they served dollar PBRs. (laughs) River City Church night was dollar PBR night. And so people would line up on the bar and they they weren't really, they wouldn't read the sign (laughs) real good. I loved it when they would realize like you've got the, the stages down here. If you can just picture it, like there's this big stage there's all these people that are lined up and they they would think it's a concert. And then there's a bar right here and there's a sound table that's right here. And then Leslie would be doing, Leslie Cooley Walsh was always there. She would be doing lyrics right here. And the guys would realize, they'd be like, did that dude just say Jesus? (laughs) What's going on? Hey, Ted, what's going on back there? Are they talking about Jesus? Is that a Jesus song? They sound like a rock band, but they're talking about Jesus. And that that would just spur on these crazy conversations. And then eventually they'd go, hey, what do you think about God? The question would come up. Now, they would also say, hey, man, I believe in aliens. I mean, it would get crazy. But it would spark these conversations. And I'm telling you, I I can't even go into all of the stories. I'll tell you one story. There was a guy named Brandon. He was the the bartender that was there every week. And eventually, Ed Nixon just started building a a relationship with him. He was on our, our staff at River City Church. Next thing you know, Ed... And he starts to get to know this guy and what was going on with him. He was estranged from his wife and his kid. He, was, he, he bawled his eyes out to Ed after, after church one night, which he didn't even know he was going to church. But he'd been listening to the gospel week after week after week. Um, and he just poured his heart out to Ed. And Ed said, what do you need most? He goes, I know this sounds weird because people ask churches for money all the time. He goes, I need my, he goes, I'm two months back on rent. I'm getting ready to be put out on the street. And Ed went to the pastor at River City and just said, hey, can we pay this guy's two months of back rent and his next month of rent? And the pastor said, absolutely. And he did. And so Ed went and paid ahead of time and then met Brandon at his house and just came in and told him, hey, I just want to let you know, your your back rent's paid and your next month's rent paid. And the guy fell on his knees and just started bawling his eyes out. And Ed, in that room, um, led him to Jesus. And I, I mean, again, I know some of you know the Ministry of Fuel Story after story after story, and it all started with willingness. And it was not easy to break into, have at a hardcore venue, to have a you know evangelistic kind of a service in a bar. Um, but it was a step of faith, and nobody really knew what they were doing in advance. Nobody knew what the plan was. But story after story after story of people coming to know Jesus, in and through that. And the other thing is just be willing to go. So if if we're being willing, are we willing to go? In verse 27, what does Philip do? He doesn't ask any questions. It says, and he rose and went. And it says there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure, who had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. What I love about this is Philip's all of a sudden, he's willing to go. He's like, why am I going to the desert? What am I doing? And it says, and there was an Ethiopian. The word that's there in the Greek is behold. Behold, an Ethiopian eunuch in the desert reading the prophet of Isaiah. It's like, it's just so like God. It's like, oh, hey, you don't know why you're going. Um, You don't know what this is all going to be about. And then, bing, Ethiopian eunuch reading the book of Isaiah. I'm not going to go into what a eunuch is. Dan said he really wanted to cover that next week. Um... (laughs) But it it, it is interesting that he was reading the book of Isaiah because in Isaiah 56, there's this question um, that the prophet is is working through. Like, uh, will God ever come to the foreigner? Will God ever reach out to the eunuch? And it says, To the eunuch, I will give you a new name, I will give you a new heart. And I love that he was right there in Isaiah 53, right there around Isaiah 56. And behold, there's an Ethiopian eunuch right there in the desert, coming home from Jerusalem, which he probably had been rejected there. Just to let you know, eunuchs weren't allowed to, to, to go into the temple. They weren't allowed to be really anywhere near the temple. They were considered unclean, and so he, and, and probably for a lot of this guy's life, if you know anything about uh, th- this idea of being a eunuch, there was a, when you get around religious circles, it was there was a lot of rejection associated with being a eunuch. So. The, the, the guy was coming back, probably being, feeling a little bit dejected and not even being able to dig in and understand what he was reading, but he was seeking God. And I just think about this idea of being willing, like Philip's now in the place where he gets to take the gospel to somebody that is so ripe and so ready to hear this message of a Savior that has come, not, not for the perfect people, not for the good people, but for everyone, this willingness to go. You know, I remember we were, uh, um, years ago, we were doing this, uh, we had just moved out to the beach and we were still doing our College Connect, our, our kind of city group at my house here, just a couple blocks away. And I remember a, a girl came one night, she walks in the front door and I, I didn't recognize her, my wife didn't recognize her. And we just, you know, like, hey, we, you know, where'd you come from? how did you get here? And she said, well, she goes, I bartend a couple blocks away at Green Room. And this guy came in, and she goes, I'm kind of flirty, and I, I, I'm very forward. And he opened his journal, and he opened another book. And she, she said, I grabbed his journal and started reading. said, what are you writing in your journal? And, and uh, then she realizes what he's reading is the Bible, and he's writing about the Bible. And she said, and this guy just started talking to me about, about God and about church and about what he was reading, about what he was writing. And then he asked me to come here, and I thought... I need it. I need some of that in my life. I, I guess I'll come here. And I look over. I look over at John, and he's in the corner going. <laughs> and I just say that to, to say, you know, I asked John about it later, and he said, man, I just prayed that God would send me. And that this was John's vibe. Like people thought John. I'll just say this. People was like, John's intense and weird. I'm. I'm just like. I think in some ways we got to be in that zone. We got to be willing to go. Like. He would go and just sit in green room and journal in his Bible. And it created opportunities. Like he, he said, I prayed and God just said, hey, go do your, your normal routine, your devotions that you do with me. Just go, go, go in, a, in your third place where you go hang out and do it there. And that's all I'm going to tell you. And he went there. This girl grabs his journal. Next thing you know, she's at my house with a bunch of people like surrounded, all of a sudden in orbit with Jesus, surrounded by people that love Jesus. It's just crazy. The simple, the simple things that God can do. Um, the second thing I, I, I would just tell you in this is, I think we have to like not only be willing but embrace the awkward. Like I, I know, like well, you got to be prepared for the awkward. This was strange. Like Ethiopian eunuch in the desert on a chariot reading the Bible. There was nothing about this that wasn't awkward every bit of it was awkward. Now, we don't need to be needlessly awkward. I think Christians can classically be awkward for the wrong reasons. But the entryway to, to lead you from surface-level communication into deep communication with people, it's, it can be a bumpy road with people. It can take time with people. It, it takes compassion. It takes a heart of kindness. And What's crazy when you think about what God's doing in this story in terms of launching the gospel out is you've got an Ethiopian, which this is the CFO. If you read that, the, the, like the, the queen of Ethiopia, who was in charge of everything, the king just kind of sat around. He was the, the just, you know, they thought he was a descendant of the sun god, so he wasn't allowed to do any work because he was too holy. Queens, they ran, the, they ran the joint, girl power. I mean, they they ran it. And so this guy was the the, the CFO for for the, the Ethiopian country. I mean, he was one of the most powerful Africans in the world. And Ethiopia, according to Roman secular Roman literature, was literally called the ends of the earth. And here's Phil, the guy that drives the bread truck, in a conversation with the Ethiopian eunuch. Or at least he's getting ready to be called to. And the spirit said to Philip, Go and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and he leads in in this moment that had to be a little bit awkward. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? And I I just want to say, I love that because what he does and just another like one, be willing, you know, pray for willingness, be willing to go and then embrace the awkward like it's going to be awkward. I'm just telling you, there's going to be a moment where when you, when you bring up, everybody says, religion and politics, don't bring them up and things will be great. Um, people seem, seem to be fine bringing up politics. I hear people arguing about that all the time. But it is going, you're going to have to break through some things to talk about Jesus, but lead with a question because questions are compassionate and they, they let people know that you're not, this isn't a project. Like I'm just gonna notch my belt with all the people I've said, Jesus is a king and moved on. But, but treat people like people, not projects. You ask them questions. And if you get to know them, if you lead with kindness and ask questions, guess what it will lead to? It will get you to that place of the deep needs that can only be satisfied by Jesus alone. And then you've got something to work with. If you're compassionate, if you lead with grace and mercy in your conversations and you ask questions, it can lead you to that place of deep needs that can only be satisfied by Jesus. And I think that's a powerful thing for us in terms of getting in to this place where we can preach the gospel to people. Even in places I've, I've found that can seem difficult or seem easy to like, this is the moment, like the deathbed, like, okay, that's an easy place. Cause you can just tell, hey, you know, this is the end for you. You know, where are you right with God? But even that's all, I, as a pastor, I've done that a few times. I did one with Dan Cooter. I remember how long it took us to finally get to the question, where are you with God? I mean, small talk, everybody, it just was awkward in the hospital room. And the guy was in stage cancer, You know, we didn't know how to kind of entryway. I'm looking at Dan. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him going, hey, we're going to say something. We're going to say, you know, what are we going to do? It's awkward. But then you get to that place. Where are you with God? What's, you know, what do you you think about God? I'm a pastor. What's what's happening? Asking those questions. Genuine interest in people is so good because it leads into people's life and leads to deep needs. Uh, Kindness purchases your right to be a guide spiritually for somebody. It really does. And that's what happens here. Um, And my third point here is, eventually you got to speak it. So one, you got to be willing to embrace the awkward to get in there. And then you're going to have to have a conversation about Jesus, that Jesus does save, that he's the only way. That's people's difficulty many times. Like, oh, I told them about Jesus, but talking about Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. He is the only way. Anyone can come, all-inclusive, but exclusive in the narrow path. Because it's Jesus, only Jesus. It can be awkward, but it's the truth that we have to lay down. You have to speak it. In verse 32, it says, Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. This Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus. It's amazing that he's reading this and he doesn't understand. And Philip gets to lead him to Jesus through this passage. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before shears is silent. So he opens not His mouth, just the prophecy of Jesus being before Pilate. It's amazing to me. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from earth. And the the, the eunuch doesn't understand it. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you? Does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? I don't know. And Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. We got to speak. The Apostle Paul, he says a lot of things in in Ephesians and leads the church in Ephesians. It's it's an amazing um, two-part kind of story, that epistle of the gospel being laid out and then the reaction of the Holy Spirit and the gospel combined, launching the church and how we act in our Christian life and what it looks like to carry the gospel. But he says at the end in six, some is the capstone at six. He says, and now can you guys pray for me? He says that, that when I open my mouth, that I will fearlessly, fearlessly proclaim the gospel for which I am in chains. Pray for me that I would be willing to go and speak. We have to speak it out. It, it changes things. And God has done something. And this story just, I mean, it's, it doesn't, I mean, you've got a magician in, in, in eight It gets crazy. You got an Ethiopian eunuch, you know, riding across the desert in a chariot, reading Isaiah. And then all of a sudden, after this guy's led to Jesus, Philip leads the Ethiopian eunuch to Jesus. He sees a puddle of water, says, all right, let's dunk him in the water. We're going to baptize this guy. And right after he's dunked in the water, guess what happens? He teleports to another place. And I'm not going to describe that. I want you to go read about teleportation, Star Trek happening in Acts chapter 8. But God is changing the landscape of the church. He is changing it. And we can either go back to the way that we were. We can caulk the trim and put it back on just the way that it was. We can go back to coming in, being comfortable and having church, attending church, with sipping lattes, doing our thing. Or we can think about what what does it look like for us to ask one another, to ask one another, are you willing to be used by God? What does it look like for you? Because I think sometimes we say we don't know, but part of it is all laden with, it's all about fear. It's all about rejection for us. And I'm putting myself in that category. What does it look like for us? You know, as God changes things for us. When you read in Romans 8, it says God's going God's to gonna figure it out for you. Like, all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, it says in Romans 8. We use that horribly as a coffee cup verse to go, hey, bro, I know you're going through a tough time. Um, it's going to be all right, though, because God's got it. You know, I mean, that's the way that we use that verse. But it's all about persecution. It's about, hey, in the midst of persecution, when you're carrying your faith, God's got it. And God's going to use the brokenness. God's going to use the pressure cooker of the pain that you're experiencing to launch the gospel across the globe. That's what that verse is about. It's not just a pat you on the back coffee cup t-shirt verse to make you feel better when you got cancer. It's about in the pressure cooker, God is going to do something amazing. He's done it purposefully for you and for me. And the question is, what are we gonna do? Well, how are we willing to go out? What, how is this gonna change our city groups? I mean, I think about this, like maybe the front door of the church is gonna come through city groups. Like we thought, you come to church, you're gonna come in, you're gonna, everybody's gonna say, hey, how you doing, you're gonna see Ann, you're gonna come in, you're gonna attend church for a while, then you're gonna find a smaller community in your area, a city group, you'll get with them, you'll study the Bible, you'll go out and hang out, do social things together. What if the city groups got so on fire for this idea of encouraging one another, like it says in Hebrews, that we'd never stop meeting together, encouraging one another, building one another up. What is that building one another up? It's saying, hey, I, sh- I-, I shared my faith this week and it went terribly. Can you guys pray for me? And them going, "Woo! you shared your faith. I'm going to do it this week too. We're going to keep doing it together and we're going to come back and we're going to share stories and then you're going to start hearing success stories. What if that started happening? happen? What if people started coming to Citigroup and going, hey, uh, you guys having a barbecue this week? Sweet, I'm coming over. Who are all these people? You hang all these people I go to church with. And then all of a sudden, you got people that are coming through Citigroup, and then they find themselves in the larger church community here at Ocean City Church. I think that would be amazing. I, you know what I see all the time right now, during, even during this? People in their driveway, just sitting in lawn chairs and baby pools in their driveway. And I think God's priming all of Jack's Beach right now. Because everybody's outside. I've had more opportunity to talk to people just walking down the street because people can't be in their house anymore. What if we jump on this bandwagon of this outsideness and we, sit, we, we invite people into our front yards, we begin to talk to people about life, ask them questions, embrace the awkward, and talk to them about Jesus. What does it look like for you and me? Are we praying for opportunity? Are we speaking as a church? So what I want you to do right now with your family as you're at home, I want you to Pray. If you're bold enough, because I'm telling you it's a yes prayer, I want you to pray and ask God, like this week, how is God going to use me? What does it look like for me and my family? What does it look like for me and my friends that that love Jesus? What does it look like for me on my own rolling solo to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth? Who is God going to put on your radar? What places places is he going to have you sit just for a moment and wait and go, I'm in the desert. God, send somebody. I want to hear those stories. I want your city groups to hear those stories because they're they're going to be miraculous stories of faith in the gospel moving forward because you know what God's done? He's ripped the trim off people and we're not going back. We're not going back. Let's pray. God, we love you. We love who you are. We are excited about the simplicity of carrying your name to the ends of the earth, knowing that your name is above all names knowing that you didn't just globally do this thing that we're all kind of in this movement, but you individually, for Derek, for, for, for individuals, you looked us in the eyes and you gave away your life, saying, I died for you and for the glory of my Father. And you're now gonna carry my name to the ends of the earth. God, make us that church that is that never forgets, that has a vision of your blood poured out, your body broken, That we would never forget what you've done for us. That it would be the engine with the Holy Spirit that sends us out into our homes, into our communities. To talk to people. To be compassionate to people. And to lead people to what matters most, which is you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have an amazing week. I do want to hear some stories about how God's using you. And hey, if it's a failure story, that is encouragement to the church. Risk is encouragement to the church. So you guys go for it. Love you. Miss you. Be looking forward to meeting with your city group together live. And then probably in a few weeks, we'll have some plans together and we'll see how it's going to look for us to meet together here. Love you guys. You have a rest of your Sunday. Have an amazing day.